All right, everybody. Welcome back to Theology on Tap. I think so. Can you guys hear me all right? All right. I hope you guys enjoyed last week, and then I see some new faces out here as well. So um, I hope the crowd keeps big, getting bigger every week. And uh, uh, last week, one of the attendants, uh, Melanie Heine, she's not here right now, but I think she's single for uh, you guys out there. But she told me that I was too stiff up here and I needed to start with a joke. So I thought of some, some of my favorite jokes to tell to start it off. And uh, one of them is appropriate because it's about Jesus and Moses. And yeah, well, appropriate for the evening, but uh, since we're here at Theology on Tap. And Jesus and Moses, they both like to golf, so they were approaching uh, the 18th hole, and it's a course in heaven, so I don't really know what it looks like, but apparently it's a long water hole, and uh, about 200 yards to the green, and Jesus says, you know, I would normally use a five iron, but I think that Tiger Woods was using a six iron, and Moses was laughing at him and said, I don't know, I don't think you're going to make it there, and so of course, Jesus goes and tees off, and he's short and lands his ball in the water. And the people on the next tee, they said, um, as, as soon as they saw Jesus, uh, he was walking out over the water to collect his ball. And they said, who does that guy think he is, Jesus Christ or something? And Moses said, well, he is Jesus Christ, but he thinks he's Tiger Woods. <laughs> and my other joke for you, it's a simpler one, but what do you call a pair of unsuspecting sweet potatoes that you take a picture of? Candid yams. Good job. <laughs> but uh, that's all the jokes for tonight. Uh, you can ask me for more afterwards. My grandpa used to like to tell a lot of jokes, so that's where I get a lot of them from. But um, welcome back. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, their time last week. And once again, I'm Patrick Crash. This is my wife, Rachel. And if you haven't downloaded the QR code uh, for today, make sure you do that. It'll have questions in there to help you aid uh, your discussion with your tables as well. Um, and then it also signs the end for the event, too. So, oh, it's on the tables as well. So now Rachel has some words to say. St. <laughs> Teresa of Avila is the patron saint of our series. She's regarded as a patron saint of renewal, um, which ties into our series theme, Make All Things New. Right now, we'd like to invite Father Patrick Hake up here again to lead the prayer. Oh, okay, good. Thank you. Is a QR code thing, is that an app I should have, or? No. Just, just camera, okay. Okay, I'm getting old. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we are your people, the sheep of your flock. Heal the sheep who are wounded. Touch the sheep who are in pain. Clean the sheep who are soiled. Warm the lambs who are cold. Help us to know the Father's love through Jesus the shepherd and through his spirit. Help us to lift up that love and show it all over this land. Help us to build love on justice, justice on love. Help us to believe mightily, hope joyfully, love divinely. Renew us that we may renew the face of the earth. St. Teresa of Avila, pray for us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Father Patrick. So I see a lot of people have gotten food tonight. If you haven't, the food is um, in the front of the building. It's $6 a plate, but you can go back for seconds. So be sure you do that. I've, I've heard it's good. I haven't had any yet. Um, we also have soft drinks. Those are $2. Beer is 3 to $4. 
Wine is $5 and mixed drinks are $9 and bar service will end at 9 p.m. Our series theme was chosen by our young adult planning team, so the people who are wearing um, these. And they've worked together the past few months to plan this event. Um, the theme, Make All Things New, is going to focus each week on a different topic of renewal in the church. Tonight, we will hear from Molly Roman on the topic of renewal of vision. This talk considers the challenges we face in embracing a healthy self-image. How do we get rid of the distractions and fears that cloud our true identity? What does it mean to have a mission and a clear vision for our lives? So uh, Molly Roman is a Fort Wayne native, a life coach, and an author. After graduating college in 2007, she quickly experienced the reality that life isn't as straightforward as it appears. After several conversations with God and a commitment to personal growth, Molly created joy, meaning, fulfillment, and love in an otherwise vacant life and discovered the tools necessary to do so. Today, Molly enjoys helping others discover and live their true potential by teaching how faith, hope, and love work with us to create meaningful results in our own lives and in the lives of those we touch. Let's welcome Molly. Hello there. Um, gosh, I almost, can you guys just hear me without the mic? Okay? Yeah. Everybody in the back? Can, oh, okay, then I'll, I'll use the mic then. All right, well, hello. Thank you, uh, Theology on Tap team, for having me here today. Um, it's really nice to see everybody here, especially after this last year, right, with COVID and the quarantines and social distancing and the masks and where you can't really see anybody and you can't really hear anybody and it gets really muffled, right? I don't know if any of you guys have kids try wearing a mask in the grocery store and tell them not to touch something. They do not hear anything you're saying. Um, so it's just so nice to be here. It's really nice to see all of you, and I just really appreciate this moment um, that we are here, and this isn't last year, and this is a new year, right? Um, and so preparing for tonight, right, I'm talking about Renewal Vision, who we are, what are we doing here, what's our mission, and I started thinking about you guys. Who are you? What are you doing here? What's your mission? And with COVID and all that, and all the emotions that so many of us went through last year, I was curious if you guys felt some of the things that I know I felt, that other people have felt, the whole world felt. And so by a show of hands, um, I'd like to just kind of gauge where everybody was this last year. And so if any of these apply to you, just raise your hand and keep it raised. Um, so again, it just if one of them applies, raise your hand and keep it raised. So in the last year, did anyone feel discouraged? I did. I remember this two-week period where I was just really discouraged. All right, that's like everybody. <laughs> um, did anyone feel a little hopeless at times? Impatient, right? Like both hands up for me. It's like every day I'm impatient. Um, <clears throat> anxious or depressed, right? Uh, isolated, fearful, right? All these things. Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Um, all these things, all of us, pretty much experienced, and their side effects of that lack of communion um, with God and with each other, right? We were separated. We didn't have community last year, and so we had these side effects that essentially, excuse me, 
can cloud our vision, right? When you're depressed or anxious, how easy is it to see through the trees, right? It's very difficult. And so, you know, maybe the renewal of vision is something, something we do need, or maybe we're kind of back out of the COVID funk, right? And we're back to normal, but maybe we realize that before COVID, we didn't really like that either, right? And so this is our opportunity now to see what didn't work during COVID and how we can change things going forward, okay? So, <laughs> sorry, deciding which way I wanna go with this. Um, so what we're gonna do today, right? We're gonna have a little bit of lecture, right? Where I'm like chit-chatting up here. Um, we're gonna have some open dialogue. Some of you get to volunteer and read some scripture, so get excited. And, uh, and then we'll have the small uh, groups at the tables if anyone's new here tonight. You know, you guys have that cute, is it called a QR code? QR code, and you guys will have some discussion and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Um, so with that, in order to participate, in order to be present and focused, what is one characteristic you need to be? Can anyone, what do you guys think? Open? Okay. Um, to be open, what's another thing you got to do to share? I like, what'd you say? Yes, vulnerable, right? Vulnerable, open. Um, what are the fruits of being vulnerable? Trust, right? So you create trust when you're vulnerable. Anything else? Fellowship, Fellowship right? So meaningful connection with people. Mm -hmm. Empathy. Empathy. Yep. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Anything else? Compassion. Compassion. Yep. So all wonderful things when we're vulnerable. And I was thinking about this, obviously, as I'm preparing, too. And I thought, well, actually, about a month ago, I went to a networking thing, and there was a speaker, and I wanted to ask a question. And all of a sudden, my heart was going... Right? My heart's going. I'm like, I can't ask a question, right? But then after the fact, I didn't ask a question, unfortunately, but after the fact, I thought, one, I kept myself from knowledge, right, and wisdom, the things that I'm really seeking. Um, and what could I have used to help me get over that fear? Anyone know? Ooh, who said that? Awesome. I didn't even think about that. That's good. Okay, could you sum that up in one word for me? <laughs> if, we, if we had to be something to be vulnerable. Faith? Faith? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and expand on that. Sometimes to be faithful, we have to have courage, right? So to be vulnerable, sometimes we need to pull courage out of our magic hat, right? So some of us don't mind being vulnerable. We're just going to, like, throw our heart out on the floor 800 times and let someone smash it with a hammer because we just want to live life, right? which is great, but then others of us are, no, you know, that we're hiding that heart and we don't want anyone to see it. So if you feel like tonight, you know, you want to share something, you want to offer something up um, to the room, remember that what does vulnerability create? Connection with one, each, one another, knowledge, wisdom. Maybe you'll be the inspiration for somebody else, right? So just remember those things as we are chatting tonight. 
So, uh, let's get started, right? Um, the, so, back in uh, 2007, I graduated from Indiana University, and I was a lot like probably most people are when they graduate college. Um, I wasn't quite sure who I was, but I did everything I was supposed to do. I trusted my you know, advisors or those who had my best intentions in their heart. I was a very logical person, right? So I was like, yeah, this logically makes sense, so I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. Um, I was always, you know, if you guys are from Indiana, if you took the I step, I was good at math, so I chose a major with math as the root of the major, right? It's accounting, ugh. Um, worst major I could have chosen. But, uh, so I did all the things I was supposed to do, but I was miserable, I was completely miserable. Now some of that were circumstances outside of my control, but what was in my control was how I responded to those, and I didn't respond very well. Um, I was in a master's program that was really grueling, and I was completely isolated from my friends and my family, kind of like COVID, right? And so because of that, I and some of my bad choices, right? I did the work hard, play hard thing. Did anyone else do that? Bad habit to start, trust me. And uh, so I did the work hard, play hard thing. So I was you know, hung over half the week. So I couldn't even digest the emotions and the problems that I was experiencing um, that were going on around me, right? I was functionally depressed. I didn't know it at the time, so I didn't seek help. But I was angry and resentful and super irritable, not fun to be around. And so to sum that up with one word, I was broken, right? I was just broken. And because I got to this broken place and this hopeless place, I got to this point where I was questioning God's existence. Like, you know, I was, I was discerning God's existence. I didn't know discerning was like a thing, but that's what I was doing then. So I was thinking like, maybe he's not real. What is, what is the point of all this, right? And then one fateful night, I went out, you know, work hard, play hard, I went out, and I came home, and it was about one in the morning, and I remember I crawled in bed, and I was laying there. And all of a sudden, I just burst out in tears. I was crying. My whole emotional, like, it was emotionally painful, and the emotional pain became a physical pain. And I remember saying, God, if you're real, please take this pain away. And in that moment, it was like, Peace enveloped my entire body and filled my heart. And the pain went away, and I fell asleep. Now, what do you guys think I did the next day? Play hard? hard? What'd you say? Went to mass? Daily mass? I wish. Anyone else? Yes, I did the same exact thing I did the day before. It's like I had this amazing experience where I realized God was real and he was accessible. And I kept doing the same things. I thought I had everything figured out even though I was completely miserable. And so, though, this is what kicked off the journey, right? First, God showed me who he was. And then after he showed me who he was, he showed me who I was. And then after he helped me discover who I was, I discovered my mission. And he also showed me the major point that can keep us from living that mission. And so those are the points I'm really gonna cover today is who is God, who are we, what is our mission, and what gets in the way of that, okay? Or at least the major thing that can. Lots of things can get in the way of that, right? But um, all right, so let's just start. Remember that vulnerability thing. Uh, who's God? What do you guys know about God? Who he is intellectually? Who he is from your experiences? Chad? He's not me. Okay? All right. 
It's a good start. Yes? Yep, God is love. What else do you guys know about God? Mm -hmm. He's merciful. Thank you for sharing. We know he's accessible, right? He can be a friend. He's trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Best listener. Yes, absolutely. He is the most focused, intentional listener we will ever have. Anyone else want to share? Yes, he does have great plans for us. Yes, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Yep. I actually ran into, um, I don't know if anyone knows Bob Becker. He's, yep, he's planning on becoming a priest, I believe. And he was, I ran into him literally outside of adoration. I was going to adoration to prepare for this. And he, there he was. And he was like, now think about this. God is in our heart. You're walking around with God in your heart. Chew on that for a while. And I was like, whoo, yeah, that's a good one, right? He's in our heart. All right. Anything, anyone else want to share? Okay. Now I need three volunteers. Or I'll start calling people. <laughs> Alex? All right. Okay. Hey, Mariah, is this mic, is this mic on? Like, can I use this? Or? Who's a volunteer? Right. Alex will go first. Test, test. Chad will go second. And what's your name? Sam. Sam can go third. Oh. Go ahead. Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. God is love, and those who live in love live in union with God. And God lives in union with them. 1 John 4.16. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. So then love has not been made perfect in anyone who is afraid. 1 John 4.18. Thank you all for sharing. Um, so what did we learn from those scriptures about who God is, about how we live with God? Mm -hmm. Yes. Did you say God's love's not logical? Okay, so I'm going to recap just since this is recording. Um, we need to love so that we're in union with God. Is that what you said? Yes. And love is not logical. God's love is not logical. Truth. Anyone else? Mm. Mm, that was great. Um, so God is love. 
and anything that prevents us from loving gets in the way of us being with God. Did I repeat that correctly? Okay. Okay. So, um, and I think, was it, it's Tony or Dominic said that God is love earlier. That was our first answer, wasn't it, one of you guys? Okay. So, right? So, God is love. We live in communion with God, in union with God, when we choose to be love or choose to love. And love and fear cannot coexist, right? So when we're afraid, love has not been made perfect within us, okay? So now that leads us to who are we? And I'm not going to make you guys answer this because it's like writing your own resume. It's so hard. Um, but I do need another volunteer. And after this, I'll only need one more volunteer. So don't worry. It's almost done. Who's the volunteer? So God created mankind in his own image, Genesis 1, 27. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So if God's love, what does that say about who we are? Right? Say that louder for everybody. Right? We are love. We're love, right? The basis of who we are, the spirit of who we are is love. So what I think is really fascinating, um, first, like literally everybody here is in love. Like, you know that Oprah, Oprah Winfrey thing? You get a car, you get a car. It's like, you're love, you're love, you're love. Like, you all just won the lottery. You were love, right? Like, that's amazing. But here's the thing. God is like perfect love. So God doesn't have to choose love for us to be in union with him. We just have to choose it. It's just all on us, right? And so that's amazing. But here's where it gets dicey is us humans, right? If we're in union with God when we choose love because he's already God, both people in a relationship, friendship, have to choose love to be in union with love. So Alex, I, I sprang it on him tonight. He gets to demo what this might look like, um, what choosing love looks like, what being um, in community with somebody looks like. So Alex and I are, we're BFF. Here, I'm gonna have to scoot forward. We're BFF. We've known Alex forever, or Alex and I have known each other forever. We trust each other. We feel really free to just be ourselves, no judgment, nothing. We're kind, we're respectful. We just, we love each other, right? We're friends, we've been friends forever. But then one day, I better take this off. One day, one day, I have a really bad day. So as soon as I start having that bad day, I am no longer on this little island of Friendship Island, right? Because I'm no longer thinking or can even access love because I'm so stressed out. So I leave Friendship Island, right? And it, oh, sorry, and Alex comes up to me and says, Molly, are you okay? Hey, Alex, stop being such a jerk. So Alex leaves Friendship Island because he's kind of mad at me, right? And he thinks I'm the one being a jerk. So after I get all my feelings out, right, and I kind of like, okay, wow, I kind of miss my friend Alex, and I was being really terrible, and I'm really sorry, so I'm going to get back on Friendship Island because now I am sorry. So I say, hey, Alex, I'm so sorry. You know, will you please forgive me? That wasn't right. That was so terrible of me. Will you forgive me? No. I know. It's a cold world. <laughs> and so Alex is still off Friendship Island because he's not forgiving. Now, if I react to that and be like, 
well, he won't forgive me. Well, like, forget him then, right? I'm going to go find some new friends, right? Now I'm off Love Island too, or Friendship Island. But I don't do that. I say, wow, I've known Alex for a long time. And I know, this, I, this is not a true story. I'm making this part up. I know, sorry, I know that Alex's parent or brother or sister used to call him a jerk all the time, and that really hurt his feelings. But I called him a jerk anyways, right? So, wow, like, I'm going to be really understanding that this is hard for him to get over. Um, and maybe I didn't know that, right? Let's go with the scenario I didn't know that. Maybe I could still be understanding that that was still just a hurtful thing to say to somebody who trusted me, right? And so a week goes by. I'm like, hey, Alex. I'm really sorry. I, I promise I can't ever, I won't ever do it again because I'm a person and I make mistakes, but I'm so sorry and I'm so sorry I hurt you. Will you be my friend again? Yes. Yes. Right. Woo! Yeah. Yes. So we are friends again, right? And so I'll let you sit down so you don't see up here. Right? Because we both chose love, right? We started both choosing love. Then I got off the, off the island, right? And then he got off the island. Then I got back on the island. He got back on the island, right? But what happened? What did we create when we both chose love again? An island. Yeah, more love? A renewal. A renewal, yes. Renewed relationship. Anybody else? I'll, th I'll, I'll throw some out. <laughs> Oh, do you have one? Yeah. Yeah, so the brain does some crazy things, right? That lo that whole logic thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. So, and thank you for sharing, sorry. Um, some other things that we created, right, was healing. We created healing, right? We created joy when we both chose love, right? At the beginning, like, we had a really, jo like, joyful friendship, right? Think of somebody that you really trust that is, like, it's like your ride-or-die friend, right? You have joy in that relationship. You have meaning. You have trust. You have um, deeper connection than you do with other people, right? Those are the fruits of love, okay? Those are the fruits of choosing love. So God is love. He created us in his image. And when we choose love, we create the things we all really desire. Joy, meaning, peace, connection. Does anyone not? I mean, I think everyone desires that, right? That's what we're all looking for in our lives. And so when we live those things, then we also spread it. Have you ever been around somebody who's super joyful? It's hard not to be happy around that person, right? And so love isn't just this, you know, thing that we are, it's the thing that creates change, not only in our lives, but in everyone's life that we touch, okay? Who remembers the two most important commandments per Jesus Christ? Yes. Oh, actually, let's go with the, let's go with the priest. <laughs> love God, love As you love yourself, right? Yes. So what was the verb that he used? Love, right? He told us, like, if you're going to do anything, this is what you do. You just love God, yourself, and your neighbor, okay? This is our mission here on earth. Our mission is to simply love one another. 
to create peace, to create joy, to create change, not only in our lives, but in everybody's lives that we touch. Like it is the most powerful force on the planet. Love changes everything, right? So suppose I had reacted when Alex didn't forgive me, right? That would have been a broken relationship and we wouldn't have had the fruits of that friendship and what that friendship meant anymore, right? But with persistent love, he came back around. I know this is just a scenario, but this is how love works. It breaks kind of this back and forth cycle. I don't know if any of you have siblings or somebody who acts like a sibling, right? When you get mad at your sibling, then they get mad at you, and then you do something, and then they get mad at you for that, and it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, right? But until somebody steps in and says, like, I love you, whether it's by word or by action, right? That's when the cycle stops, okay? Because the other person starts responding to that new cycle eventually, okay? So, Feel like I can walk away now and go home and eat my ice cream and leave. We we know who God is. We know who we are. We know what our purpose is here on this planet. Life is over, or not life is over. And the night is over, <laughs> and we're good to go. Life is over. Wow. Uh, but no, right? It's not that simple. Choosing love isn't that simple. And knowing what love, right? You have to know what love is to be able to choose it. A lot of times. So has anyone here ever had like a 30 under 30 list? Does anyone know what that is? Has anyone heard of it? What? Yeah. yeah? Why don't you go ahead and share what that is? Uh, that's the top 30 people under the age of 30. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is. A th it's your personal 30 under 30 list. Oh. Sorry. Maybe I didn't phrase that correctly. <laughs> Laura, you. Yeah. A bucket list. So it's a. Sorry. That was my bad. I didn't phrase it very well. <laughs> the. And the. What did you say? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, so it's a bucket list, right? So when I was in my 20s, I had this bucket list, like 30 things I'm going to do, I'm going to be, I'm going to see, I'm going to have, right? At these 30 things by the time I turn 30. And then I got into like my late 20s and it became this 50 under 50 list because <laughs> I didn't really accomplish as much as I thought I would. And then I had kids and now it's like this lifetime list, right? It's just a bucket list before I die. And on that list, I had this one thing, which was to be love. Like, I'm very idealistic. And I was like, one day, I'm just going to be love. And this was before I even, like, knew this was, like, a, like what Jesus calls us to be, right? So it's like, I'm going to be love, and this is amazing, and love, right? But I don't really know what it means. And I had this vision, you know, of, like, a little old granny sitting on a rocking chair, and someday when I'm 80 years old with my little white curls, like, I'm going to be love, right? When I'm 80. And then I feel like God, like, I feel like everyone probably envisions God, however, you know, personality-wise, whatever fits them, right? So I'm sitting there, and I feel like God's like, really? You're going to wait till you're, like, 80 years old to be loved? Like, you're kind of missing the point. Like, you need to do that now, right? And so, you know, when God says march, you march. So I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to be, like, love, right, what, is, what does that mean? I could go online and, like, Google love and see what the dictionary says, but... I'm kind of a true believer that scripture, you know, is the word of God. So I got into scripture and I said, all right, well, what's the definition of love? And sure enough, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 is like the literal, like actionable definition of love, which is, I need one more volunteer for the night. You just already know it, don't you? <laughs> you all probably already know it. Who's doing it?
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians. Thank you. Is that Michael? Can I read that? All right. Thank you, Michael. So how many of you went to weddings so far this summer? I know Rachel did. We talked about that, right? How many of you heard that at the wedding? Right? Everybody hears, that's always, everyone chooses that one at their wedding. Um, but it's literally like step by step on how to choose love, okay? So love is, and actually, I, I love this scripture so much because there's so much genius in it because it literally starts from easy and ends with hard. Like it's almost impossible to do the last one if you don't if you haven't mastered some of the earlier ones. So love is patient, right? If the smallest thing makes you impatient, right, you're stepping off Friendship Island, right, Connection Island. Because when you're impatient, just think about last time you were impatient. Could you truly be there for somebody else? Could you truly focus on their needs, right, or truly connect with somebody? You're so impatient, you're just, come on, like, why is this grocery store line so long? Like, I just need to get home, and I got to do this, right? We're thinking about all the things, right? It's basically a, you know, a fear of not enough time, right? I don't have enough time. Got to go, right? So you're not thinking about others in that moment and the little bit of impatience, okay? Love is kind, right? Love is unconditional. So there's a lot of times, especially if you pay any attention to politics on Facebook, you'll see people say, well, I don't have to be kind, right? Because they're a jerk, right? Or... You know, they're not nice to people, so why do I have to be nice to back, right? And, uh, but no, we're called to be kind no matter what, okay? And then it gets into talking about envy, boastful, proud, um, arrogant, or in this case, dishonor others. There's a couple translations. Those are all symptoms of not truly valuing ourselves or valuing others, all right? So one might say, ooh, <laughs> I am, I'm not as good as you. And one might say, I am better than you, right? Um, so, for example, I'm trying to think. I don't like the example I had chosen for tonight, but <laughs> I guess I'll have to go with it. For example, let's say you're, you're, um, you don't truly value people correctly, right? We're all on the same level. No one is below no, or no one is above and no one is below. We're all valuable, period. But if you don't know that, right, you might have to be maybe the best dressed person in the party so you feel good about yourself, right? Or maybe you have to have the best job or have the best stories, right? So you feel better than others, right? Or perhaps it's on the other side of the spectrum where you feel less than others, right? And so you might start talking, right? Boastful is a, is a symptom of not valuing yourself, valuing yourself less, right? So you start trying to impress people, right? Like, oh, look, I like volunteered at 1600 things this last weekend, or, you know, oh, I just bought a house, or oh, I did this, right? Trying to make ourselves seem more important to somebody that we're trying to prove our value to, right? So when we do those things, we're not loving the other person, we're making it about ourselves, right? And then, sorry, where did I get off track? Love is not self-seeking, right? Love is generous, Okay, we don't have to have all the things. There's more than enough, right? It is not easily angered. It's not irritable. Love seeks understanding, okay? So 
when we're in an argument, I, you know, families are like, I feel like the training ground for like life, right? And so you're in, in an argument with somebody in your family, instead of reacting, right, with being irritated, we instead can say, huh, tell me more about that. Let me understand your perspective, right? Especially if you're trying to change someone's heart and mind about something um, maybe moral, right? Reacting and just getting angry at them, they're going to dig their heels in harder, okay? So you want to seek to come from that place of understanding. And then love does not keep records of wrong, or records of wrongs. We always forgive. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, okay? So that's about kindly correcting, not going and gossiping, or not correcting from a place of, wow, I'm right, you know, or, ooh, that made me feel powerful, or, that, see, I'm a good person, I corrected them, right? It's about making it about the other person and not proving your self-worth, okay? So I know it's a lot, <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll break this off just in a very minute way in a minute. But one thing about this is that this is a choice nonstop. Every time something happens, love is a choice, okay? Somebody's rude to you, love is a choice, right? So let's say we're going, you're going to a concert with your friends. Um, what bands do you guys like? Who's your guys? Anybody have a favorite artist? Like, yes, like I'm a deadhead or, you know. That's, that's probably a past your guys' generation. Dave Matthews Band. I was going to say him next. All right, so, right, you're going down. I know it's not called Deer Creek anymore, whatever it's called. You're going down. What is it called? Okay, going down to Deer Creek. We're going to stick with it. Going down to Deer Creek to see Dave Matthews Band, and you got your three friends in the car, and you're listening to Satellite or whatever song is your favorite song, and you guys are, like, jamming out, and you're having an amazing time, and you accidentally cut somebody off because you're, like, having so much fun, and that person, like, pulls up, and, you know, they don't do the little, like, beep, beep. It's like the, right, the long honk. And then they start waving their fist at you and maybe like the finger you don't like to see, right? And so if we react, right, if we react, we might start stewing, we might start venting. Um, and what does that do with the meaningful experience you were having with your friends in the car? Mm -hmm. Yep, it's a lot harder to choose love than it is to react, okay? Like your true, like people who, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm powerful, I'm this and that, and they're reacting left and right. It's like, no, it's, your strength is in choosing to be love. Like, that is a true strength and true power. So, somebody else had something to say, I thought, right? Did I miss that? Okay. Yeah, so you ruin the experience that you're having with your friends. You ruin that meaningful experience, right? The things that bring us joy and connection, right? And so it's kind of like the trip just kind of went flat, right? But then on the other side, let's say that person does all that stuff and you look at them and you're like, wow, they're having a really bad day, right? And you seek understanding, right? So you choose love in that moment. You seek understanding. And if you take it a step further, you might be like, hey, guys, let's pray a decade of the rosary for that person, right? And Maybe not because you're going to Dave Matthews being concert and you're like jamming out and you're having fun. But, right? So you can create two different scenarios, okay? So you can let that, you can react to that and you can basically disconnect from your friends in the car or you can choose love, Okay? 
So what, that, what it means when we react, does anybody know what that side of us is called? What was that, human? Human? Yeah? Yeah? Huh? Yep, the ego. The ego is very reactive. Does anyone know what ego means in Latin? Is it? Yes, yeah, so I am, or it's all about me, myself, and I, right? Th correct? I mean, that the interpretation is it me, myself, and I, but you know what I'm saying. So ego means I, it's about the self, I am, and I heard a great acronym, E-G-O, edging God out, because the ego is rooted in fear, fear of not having enough, not being enough, not doing enough, okay? Not having enough time, right? That's an ego response. I am the worst at it. That's why I brought that one up, because it's so easy to remember, right? Not having enough. And so if we remember the scripture from earlier, 1 John 4, 18, um, it was about fear and love. They cannot coexist, right? So when we choose fear, Right? When the ego reacts, it's not choosing love. It's taking us away from love and away from God and away from connection with others as well. All right? So this is our one area that can mess things up for us, right? Our mission here on earth is to be love and choose love, but we got this ego monster that's like out of control sometimes. Okay? Yes? You're fine. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, and we can talk more afterwards if you want to about that. Um, so, of all the things, right, I kind of got into like, here are all the aspects of love and here's like the kind of the opposite, right? There's one thing that can really hinder us um, within that aspect of love and that's the self-value thing, right? If we don't value ourselves properly, we basically enslave ourselves to whatever we think makes us valuable. So if you think having the great career makes you valuable, you're always going to be putting that first. You're going to be a slave to whatever you think that looks like. Not what God wants you to do, but what you think that looks like. And I think that's the point you're getting at. So let's say you think you're only a valuable person when you, um, does anyone have any examples actually? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so kind of the typical egomaniac view that we have, you know, have the nice car and have a ton of money and have the great career, right? You're always going to be chasing that. You're going to be a workaholic. The what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yep, exactly. And so it's putting that value there over yourself and over people and over where God wants you. So if you're driving, driving, driving to, like, get this career... 
get whatever you think makes you valuable. First of all, there's always going to be somebody that's doing it better than you and has more than you. And so you're never going to actually be fulfilled because you're going to be chasing that. And second, what if God doesn't want you like building some giant career at some corporation or some not-for-profit? Maybe he wants you like being a mission missionary out in like, I don't know, Europe or Africa or somewhere else, you know? Like maybe he doesn't want you doing what you think you need to be doing because you're just trying to prove to everybody that you're valuable. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? Okay. So um, when I was preparing for this, there was this one song that kept coming to mind. Um, if you grew up here in the Fort Wayne Diocese, you probably know it. But do you guys remember that song? Um, I don't know what it's called, but it's like, we are many parts, we are all one body, right? The gifts we have, we are given to share. May the spirit of love make us one indeed, right? When the love that we share, when the hope and despair, when the cross that we bear, right? Um, right, that like a lot of our songs that we grew up singing in church actually are rooted in scripture. I never knew that until I started reading scripture more as an adult. And I was like, oh, that's like that one song. I love that song, right? And so that song was going on and on in my mind as like, all right, God, I'll do what you say. And I added that bit of scripture into this and into the talk because I think it really hones down on our value and what makes us valuable. And so I'm going to read this one because it seems like everyone really likes volunteering for this. So, um, And this one's a little bit of a long one. So, you know, make sure you have your listening ears on. Uh, suppose the foot says, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. So what does that scripture say to you guys? Now I'm going to make you participate again. Matt? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Thank you. Anyone else? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sam?
Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. Stacey, were you going to say the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. All right. Tony, you were raising your hand. Thank you. <laughs> Deanna? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, yep, back there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. One more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know exactly all the talents and gifts he's given us, do we? Um, I think what's interesting, too, is that it says you might think, like, you don't belong to the body, but you do. Like, everyone belongs, okay? Everybody belongs. And I love how it says that just because you're the I or this or that or the other, you're not more, than more important or less than important, right? So if you're like the toes, you might be sitting there down there and being like... I don't really, like, I'm like this toe that's stuffed in the sweaty shoe all the time. Like, I don't really want to be here. Like, no one seems to even remember I'm here. Like, I'm not valuable. But if you're not there, we can't really walk, right? So the eye, who is like the eye, or the, like the hair, like the really cool hands, right? Hands can do everything. If you don't have the toes, you can't walk. You're going to be face down in the dirt all the time. You can't do all the things that God wants you to do. And if you're on the dirt, like, you just, you're seeing from the perspective of the ground, not up here. Right, so I think it's also our job to value the toes, and as as the toes to remember that you are valuable, that you are needed. You might not see it, right, 
but you belong. You're part of the group. Like everyone needs to be up on the island together and we need to remember to make sure that everyone knows they belong and that they're valued. Now, that ego thing, right? It's like an ego monster. It's just, it's fear is its root. It's the biggest liar. It likes to tell us that we're not wanted or we're not needed. We don't belong. We're not good enough. We're not capable. We're not fun enough, right? FOMO, right? Like it is FOMO, fear of missing out even, right? That's an ego thing, okay? And so I just want to remind everybody what the opposite of that is, what God's probably saying, right? Like you are capable, you are needed, you are wanted, you belong, you are powerful, you are free, you are love, right? And you're part of his kingdom and he needs you to live your mission, right? To belong, to be together, to love each other, to value each other, okay? So I'm gonna, I think this is a good time to do the small groups, if you guys think so, okay? All right, so I'm gonna. You can continue them later. Um, but we're going to move forward into the Q&A portion of our evening. Um, so I'll invite Molly up here in just a moment, but also wanted to remind you that the bar closes at 9. So if you want to get a drink or get another drink, now is a great time to go do that. Um, but now I'll invite Molly up so that if anyone has a question, um, you can ask her now. Oh, thanks, Alex. I want to be off the island. <laughs> no, I don't want to be on Friendship Island right now. I just want to sit in my little chair. I know. I don't know. It depends how nice you are to me. Wait, now we're all on Friendship Island. See, yeah. We needed a bigger island. What are a couple of the small things you can do daily to remind yourself of who you are? If you, if you forget. Um, so I'm going off the premise of who we are is love, right? So remembering that who we are is love. And I think it comes down to remembering to choose love. Uh, there's a couple different ways I suppose you could choose love. Um, one way would be creating a personal relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus does that transformational work where we don't have to mindfully choose to be love, who God created us to be. We are now reacting in love, right? The more you get closer to God, the easier it is to react in love. I think that's kind of like seeking holiness, right? It's to just respond in love every time, right? So... Um, that's well, probably the best way. Um, another way would, you know, really understand what love is, really get really um, knowledgeable about how you respond and react and what that creates in your life. Like I would start doing those exercises, right? So you're impatient with a coworker, what just happened? What does your relationship now look like? Did you influence them in just that little bit of impatience and now they're having a bad day, right? 
So becoming really aware of what that looks like and what love looks like. And then once you get to that point, too, you can think about, you know, a really good way, at least that this is kind of like one of my life coaching hacks, right? Um, in remembering who you are and who you are called to be, uh, a lot of times the ego likes to escape how you're feeling, where love is more about being intentional and creating something. So if you are at a party and you're talking to someone and you feel uncomfortable, what, you, what, what do we do when we feel uncomfortable? Phones, you go on your phone. Or maybe you'll be like, oh, I need to like go get a snack. You find any reason, right, to get out of that conversation. So you may have not created anything for yourself, right? You may not have created a loving experience for yourself, but maybe for the other person in trying to escape that, you just created self-doubt, right? You created a fruit of the ego or the rotten fruit, right? Where on the other side, if you think about, okay, instead of trying to escape feeling uncomfortable, I notice that this person maybe feels uncomfortable themselves. So I'm gonna try to be hospitable and create um, a welcoming environment for them, a com you know, start a conversation, ask some questions, right? So then what do you create there, right? You chose love. So you maybe got a new friend or maybe you just created confidence in that other person, okay? Because right, love isn't always about, a lot most, well, it's pretty much not about ourselves, right? And so it's in those moments choosing, you know, am I escaping something that I don't like feeling or am I creating something? And if you're creating, it's probably choosing love, which is who we are. Okay, I hope this isn't a tricky question, but... Um... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, friend... <laughs> Yeah. So um, the last discussion question was like, you know, how do we choose to be loved? Well, it kind of got me thinking that like a common misconception about the word love is when we hear that, we can almost kind of think that loving someone is always just about like maybe say being nice to them. Okay. But it's not limited just to that. So um, like as a parent, you know, I'm sure you have to have time and again tell, told your kids something that they didn't want to hear, but you did that out of love because you knew it was good for them. Right. So, so I guess kind of what my question is, or maybe something I'm asking possibly you could sh maybe shed a little light on is like, you know, just kind of like when we are choosing to be loved, like, you know, how to do it in the balance of like the different types of love that needs to be given in certain moments, you know, against it's not only just limited just to always being nice to the person. So, so are you talking about like kindly correcting somebody? Yeah, that could be an example. Yeah. Okay, so this is love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So basically, um, I guess the love, like how would you, think about it, how would you like someone to approach you and kindly correct you? Would you want them to, to do it in front of a group of people, right? No, you'd probably want them to take you aside so that you don't feel ashamed or defensive, right? Um, would you like them to say, like, you're wrong, right? Like, we wouldn't want that, right? So when we want to um, speak truth to someone, you know, think about those tenets of love, being patient and kind, doing it from a good intention, not to prove your own self-worth or that you're powerful or whatever it is that you may feel you're valuable or the ego tells you makes you valuable, right? Um, it's just, it's about 
basically removing yourself and removing any offense you may feel no matter what they say to you um, so that you can kindly say whatever it is you're going to say and say it from a place of um, love and charity, basically. And they might still be mad at you, right? My kids all the time, I try to tell them things and they don't care what they say to me, right? I think my kids call me like, I'm not even gonna say it. They call me all sorts of names, you know, they have to do with bathroom things all the time. And I always say, will you please stop doing that? It like hurts my feelings, even though it doesn't, but okay. Because I shouldn't be lying, but you know, it's, it's like, just please stop saying that, right? I'm trying to teach them it's not kind. But they still do it. And now if I got mad at them, right, then love is out of it, right? You just have to still be patient with them, okay? Does that answer your question? Okay. So I have a two-part question. Uh, question one, how does one, how does one become a life coach? Uh, well, there's different ways to become a life coach. Some people do not become certified and have life experience, right? Um, I knew a great life coach in Georgia who had 20 years experience doing it and running workshops and all this, and she didn't get certified. Um, but then others do get certified, um, and you take classes, or, or do you mean the journey? Or is I mean, like, do people like say, hey, you have a lot of wisdom, and they talk to you, mm. and eventually you charge them money? Is that how it works? Well, um, hmm, that's a good question. I feel like Matt should answer this question, because he's thinking about being a life coach. Matt, how does one become a life coach? You're already on this journey. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm very early in this journey. Let's not make it anymore. I definitely just uh, passed the baton, by the way. Yeah, we have, yeah, she and I have had conversations. Um, you know, I, a lot of it has to deal with being open to somebody's experiences and being able to, to hear where they are as they are and, and understanding compassionately and giving them gentle advice to be able to give them guidance or their own understanding. Because in a lot of what my experience has been with it, and again, I am not even on the reservation with it. You know, like I'm so far from it. But I've had some experiences with Molly, and I've had some experiences with another good friend of mine who's going through like health and wellness and everything. But it comes from an understanding that we all actually have the answers inside of us. We have a lot of the, we know what's good and what's best. It just needs a little bit of teasing out or it needs a little bit of guidance or it needs a little bit of readjustment to, to get us to understand what that fuller potential really can be. And that coach that, you know, think back, to, if you guys were all in sports, how many of you guys were in sports or activities or anything like that growing up as kids, whatever it was, right? It's very common, right? But a lot of that really comes down to is what was that person's role? Was that person's role to make you the most successful athlete in that sport and all that? No. It was to help you understand self-worth. It was to help you to understand confidence. It was to help you understand your part and role with the football player, defensive end, defensive end, uh, understanding that you were no more or less important than anybody else that was on the team. It might not have been as glamorous as what some of those other positions were, but that didn't matter because without you there in that role, being successful and trying to push and learn and grow, 
the team wasn't going to be as successful, right? So trying to understand in another person and guiding that other individual as, as pushing them gently to become more than they were the day before, trying to understand who they want to be and you're trying to help them get there through the right channels with it. So I don't know if that's it at all, but yeah, I think that. And Father, I will say I feel like personally I'm discerning away from that, but God has not given me a different thing to call myself, so that's what I'm going with for now. So now I have a three-part question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Number two. Uh, so, 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 if we, so, if we're interested, interested in finding a life coach, mm-hmm. do we Google life coach? How do we find a life coach? Yeah, you can literally Google Fort Wayne life coaches if you want. Um, but man, there's a bunch of them. Like you go to any networking event, you're probably going to meet some. And there's no one size fits all, right? So you want to make sure it's a good fit if that's a route you're going to go down. Um, I feel like there's a third question. That was, yeah, because that, that, because that sounds something pretty cool. Anyway, my, yeah. my, my, my original question, um, if you find yourself kicked off Friendship Island, uh-huh. how, do you, how do you get back on Friendship Island? Um, well. It's like, I'm in a bad mood. Oh, I, do, yeah. I see I'm in a bad mood. Okay, I want to get out of a bad mood. You, you choose to get out of it. However you choose. So, right, sometimes our feelings are really powerful, and it's hard to, like, get out of those feelings, right? Sometimes you just got to feel how you feel. Like, if you... Right, like I'm just thinking back to you know the story I shared at the beginning. Right, I was really struggling. It took me a long time to get out of that. It took a couple years, right? And so it took me a while to even understand that there was a different way of being or living. Okay, so it's it it can be conscious choice, but I mean honestly, I you know relationship with God, it's always, in my opinion, the best choice to get you back there. Right. Okay. Thank you. Second. Do you approve, Father? I approve, yes. Okay. <laughs> Matt? Kind of, kind of a follow-up question to that idea. Uh, okay, so you are... We've, I think we've all had relationships or friendships and all that stuff where you get to a certain point and you recognize that there is no coming back to Friendship Island, right? Like, it's just that bridge has been burned, that whole circumstance and everything else, right? So at what point is it like, sh- should we always just come back to the island, like stay on the island waiting for that person to come back? Or should we recognize that that individual and that island is just sunk, done, and everything else? Like, is, is it, sh- should we continue if that individual has, has cut us out completely and there is no reconciliation possible? Or do we, do we walk away as well? Um, so... All things are possible with God. So I'm, I'm not going to say to just can it. I'm, I'm a firm believer. Like, I will never can a friendship. If somebody has walked away from me, I am right here on Friendship Island waiting for them. But I do not. There are certain people, right, who will walk away and they don't want that friendship anymore for whatever reason. I'm not going to sit there and keep reaching out to them, right? Because part of love is loving yourself too, right? You don't want to put yourself in that situation where you're basically demoting yourself, right, to try to win this person back into your life, right? You stand in your own integrity of who God created you to be. Stay on Friendship Island. Hey, I'm here. Like, when you want to be friends again, 
awesome, but they may never, they may never come back, right? That's just the reality. But they could. You never know. Yes. This is not my job to hand the microphone. <laughs> in a culture where we hear things like love is love, and we have words, buzzwords like acceptance, intolerance, how do we navigate conversations with people who don't necessarily, aren't really open to truth, um, and we try to encourage them to not feel judged necessarily by the way that we lived our, our lives, but also love them in such a way that they can be influenced in a positive Christian way. Mm-hmm. And I guess kind of just thinking out loud, I know this is maybe a hard question to answer, but like I feel like a lot of people will be like, oh, you don't accept me. Be like, no, I accept you, but I'm not going to tolerate your sin because mm-hmm. um, we're not made to tolerate somebody else's sin. So like, how do we navigate a situation where people are living in sin try to draw them out of that, but not make them feel so judged to the point where they're actually even more pissed off at us. Mm. But at the same time, Jesus was walking judgment, and if we're going to be like him, people are probably going to hate us too. Um, so maybe we just live with that. I'm kind of just curious of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is a good question, and it is a tough question because it's... <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I missed that part. Um, this, is kind of, this is a hard question to ask or to answer, and... You know, it's, and I'm kind of speaking of, from my experience too, when I lived in Georgia, most of my friends were atheists um, and still are and have very strong beliefs um, that oppose mine. And we got along then because the stuff wasn't thrown in our face 24 seven, right? This is like all people see now on the news, even in TV. Like I watched a Law and Order episode and I hadn't watched it in a few years and I was like, what in the world? Like, they're giving political statements on this show now, you know, to whatever is popular. Like, it is in everywhere in our lives. And so with those people, and I could be wrong. Like, I'm a big believer of pray about it and ask God how to navigate these situations. Um, and pretty much, like, pray ceasingly, right? Like, God, I truly believe he will lead every step that we have. Um, but... You know, it's just coming to somebody, being, just saying, like, I love you no matter what, being kind no matter what, being understanding, Um, but acceptance does not mean that you have to tolerate it. I I agree with that statement. Um, So it's, you only really have rules for what people bring into your own home they can pretty much do whatever they want outside of that. So I don't know how you can enforce any of that, right? Like, so I'm just thinking of parents who might have kids that are doing things they don't um, agree with, right? They can say, I love you, and it's your life, and you're going to choose whatever you want to choose. I, you know, these could be potential consequences, but in my home, this is, these are rules, and these are rules because we love you. Like, I'm not sure how much more you can do outside of that, but I'd be curious to hear... Um, what others think about that as well. Yes. I think that's God's will. We just don't record it. No, I think um, I think a hundred percent of it. 
Like, if you, if you really want to make an impact with somebody, invite them to coffee. And then you can have those conversations that are consequential in a non-combative attitude, right? So, look, I mean, at, at this table, So that's that seeking understanding piece, right? something to offer. If somebody says, who will you see? And you want to know about it. Yeah, okay, well, we don't have time today because I got a few and you got to go, but let's, let's get together next week. And then they're, they're open. So, again, the whole, the
stand out to me or that I or that I or that I wanted to um, <clears throat> expound upon. Um, the first being, I think it when you mentioned asking questions, I think that's a big big key because I think back to when my parents told me things and they told me and told me and it's their job to tell me and that's a job of a parent. But I had to experience it and get that aha moment. I had to learn it for myself to really buy into it. And so I feel like our job, uh, we have to be able to be an example or we have to be able to talk about it. But the, the, the key is it, it's about them buying into it, not about us telling them or convincing them. And you mentioned it's the Holy Spirit doing the work and not you. And I think that's totally true because it's not about us and it's not I converted this person or I converted that person. It's about did that person grow? Did that person learn? Did that person experience? And I think that in my experiences, um, you know, I, I, I was a teaching assistant at, at school, so I'm not a teacher, but I've had teaching experience. And students always learned better, in my experience, when they, you ask them questions and get them thinking and they come to the answer on their own, they remember it, as opposed to me just telling them and then the next day they don't remember it anymore. So I think that that intentionality, that communication, that just being there and that willingness to show up, like you said, four or five times and you're there, that's love, even if you don't do anything else other than show up and listen, show up and talk. And I think that our job is just to let the Holy Spirit work through us. And for me, and it worked, like we said, we're all part of the body, but we have different purposes. I think for me, I'm really good at, I'm a thinker, and I'm really good at asking questions and thought-provoking. And so that's kind of when you were talking about, well, what, what, why do you believe, what do you believe? Okay, why do you believe that? And then kind of ask them questions, well, what about this, or what do you think about that? And then now it's not you talking at them either, because from believers and non-believers alike, um, the single most, you know, biggest complaint that I've come across is they don't like it being shoved down their throat. And again, it's not about converting people. It's about, you know, letting the Holy Spirit work. And if you're blocking the Holy Spirit from working, it's not going to work. So, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to expound on that. All right, well, uh, everybody give Molly a big round of applause again.